peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today is from Luke, the third chapter, and the prophecy of the coming of John the Baptist, the one who would prepare the way of the Lord, prepare everybody's hearts to meet the Lord, uh, from Luke chapter 3 as well. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill will be leveled, the crooked ways will be made straight, the rough roads will be made smooth, and people will see the salvation that God gives. You know, dear friends of Christ, did you read the, the words at the beginning of our text? These are the final words of our text, but did you re- remember the beginning words from our, our, our gospel lesson in, in John chapter th- Luke chapter 3? If you forgot them, I'm not surprised because <laughs> they're kind of boring. I mean, listen again. What, what a boring way to start a chapter. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Iturian Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of the Lord came to John. And you say, who cares? Who cares about all those people? And we kind of yawn. So that's our text for today, huh? What, why, what does it matter? Who are these people? And, and maybe you know some, like Pilate, and maybe you recognized Herod. Um, for those of you who know your Bible a little better, high priest Caiaphas. And, and, uh, but where is Licinius? And what's this Ituria? And uh, what are these places? And I'm not going to go into all that because it doesn't really matter. But what I'd like you to do is, instead of telling you about all these people, I want to kind of set uh, th- these, these, these words, kind of set the setting. It set what was going on. And so in modern terms, let me, say it, let me say it this way. Because the days were troubling back then. It was a difficult time. Uh, everyone was concerned. Everyone was concerned about what was going on in, in the world at that time. And in the midst of this turmoil, in the midst of all this difficulty, John the Baptist arrives with a message. In a modern setting, we'd say, in the third year, of President Donald Trump at a time when terrorism threatens our land, the land of the United States of America and beyond. At a time when economic stability is precariously unstable and world peace is fragile. At a time when American politics is about building a wall between the United States of America and Mexico at a time in which immigrants are marching to our border to seek shelter in a free land. In a time when mainline Christianity is walking away from the truth of God's Word. And in a day when preachers are no longer speaking the truth, but they're denying major biblical doctrines at a time when the people in our land are growing morally decadent and godless. The word of the Lord came to the people. Now you can see how that makes a little more sense, doesn't it? And all of a sudden that applies to us, it puts it in context. In the midst of all the brokenness, in the midst of all everything that we're so concerned about, with politics and government and finance and, and just the peace of our lives and the, and the peace of our people in a lost and decadent, topsy-turvy world, 
the word of the Lord comes with a message of hope and with a message of comfort. And so our theme, a message of hope and comfort for today. As we prepare to meet the Lord in this season of Advent, and of course we have all our Christmas decorations up to remind us it's that kind of season as we prepare to meet the Lord who is coming again to judge the living and to judge the dead, we are to prepare to meet the Christ, and in the midst of all of this, the word of the Lord comes to us, just like it did back then. And in the world, in the world back then, when John the Baptist was proclaiming, uh, they had troubled times just like ours, perhaps even more troubled back then. Um, they needed a message of hope. They needed a message of comfort. Where in the world is God in all this? Is there a plan? I, you know, just read some of the history books. Read the Annals of Tacitus. Uh, if you read Tacitus, you'll find out how astounded it is that people during Tiberius Caesar, they were so burdened that people were literally, literally committing suicide because they just couldn't handle the intimidation of this fearsome leader. You read Dr. Paul Meyer's book about the history of Pontius Pilate, and you see how ruthless he was, how he killed his wife and children because they were a threat to his throne. And he, and he loved his wife. It wasn't like he killed her because he didn't love her. He loved her. He just didn't trust her. What, what an evil time. Read jo Josephus, and you'll learn that our presidential elections are... are run very well, in the, and they're a, they're a noble and an upright event. But elections back then, they were corrupt. And they were wicked. And we learned how Herod came into power. And if you think the errors and morality of our present church are disgusting, pastors who drink too much and priests that have... That have Sex with children and all the things, all the moral things that are happening and among out of pulpits in the in society today, you think that's disgusting? You know, you read Jeremias, and he tells about talks about the church, the synagogue in John the Baptist day, when Annas and Caiaphas were high priests and the leaders of the church were spiritually and morally bankrupt. And so God spoke to people in this morally bankrupt time. The word of the Lord came. It came to the people in those days, and He spoke through the prophet of John the Baptist. And what can one voice do, though? You have one voice in the midst of all of this brokenness. You have one voice in the midst of all of this political intrigue and confusion. But when that one voice is empowered by God, when that one voice is indeed the voice of God Himself, that voice is sufficient. Because God's Word is always powerful when it's guided by the Holy Spirit. And so the people needed a forerunner, the people needed a spokesperson, the people needed to remind them, return to the Lord. Here is the word of the Lord. You know, in the ancient days, kings would travel. And before the king would visit a town, he would send heralds ahead of them to prepare that town for his visit. 
And of course, a lot of work had to happen. They had to straighten the roadway. They had to lower the hills and they had to raise the valleys. They had to clean their city and prepare so that when the king came, everything was just right. And the heralds would make sure they would, that the people would be prepared, that the city would be prepared to meet the king. And do you get the, the parallel here with Jesus? The roads had to be straightened, the valleys filled, the mountains flattened. It may not sound like a big deal today with all our excavation equipment, but back then it was a huge deal and really it was impossible. There's no way they could do the type of job that needed to be done to be prepared for the king. And of course, our preparation for Christ in the season of Advent is an even bigger deal. How do you prepare your sinful heart to meet the perfect Jesus, to meet the King of Kings and God the Father. Preparing for God's coming is impossible. To make the crooked straight, the mountain of our sin, the depths of our brokenness, and to make it all smooth. And so Advent isn't about the Christmas decorations. Advent isn't about uh, the special food and friends and parties and families. Now, Advent is about taking spiritually dead people, spiritually dead hearts, and preparing them by making them alive to meet Jesus. Turning sinners into saints. And, and you can't do that. I can't do that. That's got to be jobs, uh, God's job. And of course, you know, like children who spill some milk and then they try to clean it up and in cleaning it up they make a bigger mess and they just kind of smear the mess around they only make it worse and or, or like a children children who find a bird and they catch the bird and then they play with the bird but they play with it a little too rough and the bird dies and so they prop the bird up they set the bird up so that so that the bird looks alive, but no, it's, it's dead. And we can't fix the problems of sin. We can't fix the brokenness of this world. We can't fix the political problems. We can't fix the problem of pain or the problem of death. And that's why our text uses the passive voice. Passive, the passive voice means that somebody is doing the work for you means that you don't have to do the work. And in our text, we've got the passive voice. So John the Baptist shows up in, the, in the, this mess of political intrigue and, and moral corruption, and he says, prepare the way for Jehovah. And then he uses the passive voice. He speaks in passives. The valleys will be filled in. The mountains will be made low. The crooked roads shall become straight. And the preparation is done not by them. The preparation is done by God. He sends the Baptist to preach. He sends His Son to save. And God is doing all the groundwork to prepare the hearts of the people. He's doing all the tilling and all the proclaiming and all the fulfillment of prophecy that is happening 
That's what he's doing, but what does he expect us to do? Well, we know this season is a season of repentance, don't we? And so we are to repent, turn away from our sins, but is that enough? Does your repentance make your crooked road straight? Does your repentance raise up the valleys? Does your repentance get rid of that mountain of sin? Is repentance being sorry for your sin enough? I'm sorry that I killed the bird. But does being sorry bring the bird back? Do children who make a mess fix the mess by being sorry? And don't we say to our children, sorry's not enough? So how do you prepare? Something more radical is needed than human repentance, than human contrition and sadness and sorrow. Something more radical is needed to prepare. The spiritually dead have to be made alive again. The spiritually dead heart has to be made alive again. And that something else that we need that is so radical is the message of God and His forgiveness. And God does the work to prepare forgiveness in our hearts. And God forgives you through His Son. He gives you Jesus and He makes by His blood that which is spiritually dead to make you spiritually alive. And He gives you hope. And that's the message of His hope and comfort that we need to hear in this world of fallenness, in this world of brokenness, when we seem to follow the ways of the world instead of the ways of Christ. Lord, are we part of your plan? How do we prepare our hearts? And God says, I'll prepare your heart. I will make the mountains low. I will raise the valleys up. I'll make the crooked road straight through the blood of my Son. And we need to hear that in a fallen and hopeless world. Our, you know, God's Word is powerful to forgive. And John the Baptist's proclamation came at a time when God had been silent for 400 years. You know, in the Old Testament, God was always speaking through the prophets. I mean, from one generation to the next generation, next generation, every, every generation had a prophet. This is what the Lord is saying to you people. God has spoken to me, and I will tell you what the Lord has said. And then all of a sudden... 400 years, silence, nothing. In the midst of all this political fallenness of countries ruling God's people, oppressing them, of people falling into sin, subduing God's people, of God's people falling prey to false teachers and false doctrines and false teachings. They were prey for wolves dressed in sheep clothing as the people of the day told the people everything they wanted to hear but not what the Lord wanted to tell them and throughout all this falling away in the midst of all this moral decadence in the midst of all the oppression and suffering the word of the Lord came to the people But God had remained silent. Now God was speaking through the prophet of John the Baptist. God was speaking again. And the voice of God sounded forth through this one man, the, the herald, the proclaimer. And what can one man's voice do? 
Well, remember, it wasn't John's voice, it was God's voice. Psalm 29 tells us the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. And Psalm 29 goes on to say that the voice of the Lord breaks trees and and makes nations skip and sends forth lightning and shakes the wilderness and levels forest. And God spoke. And what did He say? Jehovah's coming. Christ is coming. Messiah is coming. Prepare. God's coming for sinners like you. God's coming to save your heart. God's coming with power and great might to bear your sin. He's coming to be punished for the sin we deserve to be punished, to face God's wrath on our account, to bleed for His people. Coming to die, to bear their burdens, to bear their pain, to bear their sin and to bear their punishment. And the voice of God spoke in the midst of all of that after 400 years of silence. A message of hope. A message of comfort. And you guess what? The word of the Lord is still coming today. And it's still being proclaimed to you people. His word proclaimed in uncertain times in a world of moral decadence in a time where people are flocking away from the church, a time where people can't stomach the moral teachings of God's law. And Jesus comes and He speaks by blood, not for vengeance, but He speaks a word of forgiveness. He speaks a word of pardon. He speaks a word of of water cleansing and holy baptism that that washes us away and cleanses us and prepares us to meet Jesus. He speaks to us of a time where the pastor can, can say before you, I say to you all, your sins have been removed from you through the blood of Christ. Go and sin no more. Your sins are declared forgiven. And in Holy Communion, we come to receive His body and blood in the Lord's Supper. And we cry to heaven and God turns His wrath away from us and His wrath is poured out on the body of Christ in our place and we eat His body then and and drink His blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And even in these last days when decadent lust is just a television show away, when idolatrous greed is only a commercial away, the blood of Christ speaks louder than our lustful hearts or our our greedy needs. In Christ, the Word of God has become human flesh, and God is speaking today. It's the same message. He speaks of our redemption. He speaks of our salvation, not of our judgment, not of our condemnation. Our God, Jehovah, flesh and blood, He comes to do the impossible, to prepare the broken heart to meet Christ. And He does all the work. He does all the preparation. He knows how to make the mountains of sin low and the depths of our decadence a level plane and the crookedness of our life straight by giving us the righteousness of His Son. According to 2 Peter, He knows how to rescue the godly, the believers, from temptation and keep them in righteousness. And He knows how to keep the unrighteous, the unbelievers, 
under punishment until the day of judgment. God is not ignorant of the injustice of our day. He is not ignorant of the wickedness of our day. He is not unaware of the political and economic instability in which we live. But He will come again in the midst of all of it. And one day He will come to judge the living and the dead and everyone will stand before His throne. The wicked will not escape judgment. However, God will enable you to stand before His throne that day because He's prepared your heart to meet Him. He's done all the work for you. He's removed the mountain of your sin, the valley of your despair, the depths of your disobedience, and He's done all the work because He bled. See, you have the power of that forgiveness living in you. And you will not be swept away by God's wrath in the day that is coming upon the sons of disobedience. And the voice of God comes into this world. This voice that brings us hope. This voice that brings us comfort. This voice that delivers you. And the voice of God is speaking today. Praise God. A message of comfort and hope. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.